Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. The Railway Children by Eve Nesbitt is the story of three siblings, Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis, and their adventures when they moved to the English countryside after some mysterious trouble in the family. The children roam the countryside, have a series of remarkable adventures, and are enthralled with the railway near their home. The Railway Children is a gentle book that will delight all ages. When I was in third grade, my family moved across states for my dad's job. To help the transition and to alleviate our doldrums and misery, my mom found new ways and rituals to make our new circumstances more familiar and joyful. One of the ways she did this was with the train that ran behind our neighborhood. A train track butted against the fence in our backyard, and on nights when the train went by, mom would gather us on the back porch of the house and wave to the conductor. He might be away from his family and missing them, she said as we waved. The conductor would always enthusiastically wave back to us. It soon became a game during the short time that we lived at that house. Looking back at the memory now, I'm surprised how it resembles the Railway Children, a book that my family wasn't familiar with at the time. Our first introduction to the author, the Railway Children, E. Nesbitt, was when my mom read aloud Half Magic by Edward Eager, and we found out that E. Nesbitt had inspired his writing. Soon after, we watched a miniseries adaptation of her book, Five Children and It, a Jim Henson puppet was the Sand Fairy. After the miniseries ended, we read Five Children and It aloud as a family. That was one of the few E. Nesbitt books I read in childhood. Years later, as an adult, I read The Railway Children for the first time. My mom read it first, actually. During a period of convalescence, she picked up her copy of The Railway Children. We once found matching copies at a second-hand bookstore. On her recommendation, I picked up my copy, too, and I was soon lost in the world of Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis, the lovable railway children. As I read the book, Mom and I would discuss it over afternoon cups of tea. I think of this book often, remembering the joy that it brought us both during that season. And now, here's more about this story. They were not railway children to begin with. We are in love with the opening lines of the railway children, Mom and I. I've just reread it, and Mom has just started to. Of the few E. Nesbitt books I've read, The Railway Children remains the firm favorite. E. Nesbitt was a prolific writer who wrote many fantasy novels for young children at the turn of the 20th century. She was in some ways an innovator in her field. The afterword in my copy tells how E. Nesbitt placed her stories in our world, not a fantasy or far-off world, which was the usual setting for previous books. In this way, she broke from the genre's mold. The afterword says, in E. Nesbitt's books, however, readers met children much like themselves, whose lives and problems seemed quite similar. It was into this everyday setting that Nesbitt introduced her distinctive brand of unpredictable and frequently troublesome magic. E. Nesbitt is chiefly known for her fantasy writing for children, but The Railway Children is one of her non-fantasy books. It is as engaging as her fantasies, though, a statement to her ability to tell a good story. An imaginative one, there's nothing missing because of the lack of magic. She gives the book a nod to the fantastic, though, with the names the children give the trains. The Green Dragon, the Worm Wantley, and the Fearsome Fly-By-Night. For the children, their first sight of a train rushing out of a tunnel reminds them of dragons, 
as Roberta tells her siblings after that first encounter. Oh, said Roberta, drawing a long breath. It was like a great dragon tearing by. Did you feel it fan us with its hot wings? In spite of the lack of magic in the railway children, there are similarities to E. Nesbitt's other books. The main characters are a group of siblings. They are imperfect children, which is to say that they act as regular children act. E. Nesbitt's characters are never Edwardian cherubs. They quarrel regularly, act rashly at times, and speak without thinking. Refreshing because it gives the story a touch of realism and keeps it from becoming stale or saccharine. But as in many of her other books, the siblings work together in times of difficulty, come to each other's aid, and have genuine love and affection for each other, although they don't always show it. In the beginning of the book, Roberta the oldest, Peter the know-it-all middle brother, and Phyllis, whose bootlaces have a propensity to perpetually come undone, live in a comfortable suburban home outside of London in the early 20th century, with a devoted and creative mother who writes little poems and stories for them. The children's father is equally devoted to his family, and with what time he has outside of his work, he spends repairing broken toys for the children. It is a happy, comfortable home. But then a great change happens. Servants are dismissed, the family's belongings are packed, and the children and their mother move to the countryside. Their first encounter with Three Chimneys, their new home, seems unpromising and bleak, although their mother does her best to lift their spirits. The children haven't been told about the terrible thing that has happened to their family. They don't know where their father has gone, believing that he is away on business. They have left everything familiar and come to live in this house, and instead of a mother who can devote her time and energy to them, making up songs and poems and stories, they now have a mother who must use her talent of writing and telling stories to provide for her family. There is sympathy for the children, not pity. Mercifully, E. Nesbitt keeps us from that. Without school or lessons to keep them occupied, the children ramble around the countryside, getting into a series of adventures. Their first adventure, the one that starts it all, begins their first morning at Three Chimneys, when the children discover the railway line near their home. From the time the children discover the railway line, they encounter one adventure after another. The chapters are written so that each one includes at least one of these adventures, or is set up for the next. They may be tame compared to other books, accidentally stealing aboard a train engine, or making friends with a passenger aboard a train, for instance. These are peaceful episodes that keep the action moving along and give the reader a break from some of the more dangerous adventures of the book. They are chapters that allow us to become better acquainted with the characters of Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis, and their family circumstances. They are the normal adventures that ordinary children find themselves embarking on when they have unlimited time on their hands. A few, however, are a matter of life and death. And for these occasions, the children will need courage and bravery. On more than one occasion, Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis display moments of brilliant courage. E. Nesbitt has given us three heroes in her book. Thankfully, it never goes to their head. Often the children are thrown into these circumstances and must decide themselves whether or not to act. No adult is there telling the children to act, but they do so because of a strong moral compass and a genuine love and compassion for others. The siblings may squabble like ordinary children, but they are not selfish. As in most good stories, what makes these moments of bravery so compelling is that E. Nesbitt shows the children's fear alongside their bravery. During one especially harrowing moment in the book, when the children must put their lives in peril to save a great many more, Roberta, the one with the most fear in the situation, acts with the most valor. The idea of acting bravely in the face of fear is not new, but what I appreciate is that E. Nesbitt places the children in very real circumstances. They are ordinary acts of heroism, 
acting when no one is watching or prompting them, coming to the aid of those people who have been unkind to them, overcoming their petty grudges when it is time to act. And what touches me and convicts me as an adult is their response when they are rewarded for an especially brave moment that actually saves many lives. They say in a letter that they simply wanted to save the train, that they were not seeking a reward or recognition. These children display the most selfless and loving type of courage. They do it because it is right and out of love for their fellow man. To a lesser degree, they must also have courage in the face of a very difficult family tragedy. The children willingly sacrifice their small comforts to help their mother or friends who need a bit of cheer. They must also have the courage to welcome friends from all walks of life into their lives. It seems that everywhere the children go, they are making friends with the people around them. The children quickly make friends with the people at the railway station. Perks the porter they consider their best friend. But there is also the station master and engineer and fireman, and my favorite of all, a passenger the children call the old gentleman. When the children wave their handkerchiefs at the green dragon, imagining that it is a way to send their father their love, the old gentleman waves back. Here's how the book talks about that first sign of friendship. And out of a first-class carriage, a hand waved back. Quite clean hand. It held a newspaper. It was the old gentleman's hand. After this, it became the custom for waves to be exchanged between the children and the 915. Some of the most endearing moments in the book take place because of Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis's easy ability to make friends. Although children, their lives impact and enrich the lives around them. They are still imperfect. E. Nesbitt does her best to allow her characters a semblance of free will and a touch of the cantankerous. It may take the children time to act on the principles by which they have been brought up, but their parents have raised them in an environment that models truth, and in the end the children choose them. Ultimately, the children's lives are characterized by kindness, love, and sacrifice. The Railway Children is a book of three siblings' adventures over the course of several months. It is the kind of cozy book you might pick up on a summer day and leisurely spend the afternoon reading. A world where children know that one of the greatest gifts they have is to extend friendship to those who are in need of it. Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis are ordinary children, quarreling with siblings and acting rashly, but they also remind us of the value of kindness in the world, of goodness, and of acting courageously in spite of our fears. E. Nesbitt has created an endearing story with the railway children, and I hope that it will remain a classic for many years to come. Read this book if you need a cozy book to get lost in. Read this book for the gentleness and kindness that lies deep at the heart of it. Read it for the ordinary adventures of a summer day in childhood. Read it for the brave acts of Roberta, Peter, and Phyllis, who act in spite of their fear. Read it for the sweet friendships and for the happy ending that is surely promised. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with my second book recommendation for April. If you want to connect during the week, I'm at Beth on Instagram. Until next time.